welcome to the latest episode of Provincial State of Mind with myself, Owen Harrison, Jeff Neville and Tom Savage. This is a podcast focused on all four Irish provincial sides of both the URC and European competitions. We discussed what happened the previous weekend, what we can expect from each province in upcoming games, as well as any major off-field news. Um, big news so far is that there's no sign of Mr. Jaggy Neville. Where is he at? What's going it's, on here? It's like he's been kidnapped by aliens. Or... Paul Kimmage. Paul Kimmage's henchman. He, he did say it the other day on WhatsApp that he uh, he took a, he took a salt he had a bit of a pain in the head so he took a bit of salt and he was in the middle of putting together an article I believe that's a performance enhancing drug. What's he doing with those PEDs and the salt oh, that's No, good. This guy he's had it coming to be honest. Walking around there, be- headache free, <laughs> always suspicious. He's been baiting Paul Kimmage like that for ages. <laughs> baiting him. Unfortunately, I couldn't escape. But now, now it's Jeff. But Jeff did say that he might escape the clutches of those henchmen at some point during the podcast. At which point, it will be up to me as the guy editing this week as to what entrance music Jeff gets. <laughs> Ed- editing is, is, is a strong word there. Editing. Well, like you, you have to understand, the last time that Jeff was, was late... I went to the bother of editing, getting jiggy with it to say getting jiggy with it. That's how that's how dedicated I can be. That's the most editing that has happened on this podcast ever. Yeah, it's just like get to the end of the audio file, snip it into audition, music at the start, music at the end. What happened in the middle? I'm not going back to edit anything. I'm not going back. Although we were lucky last week, though. We were lucky that we did it last week, though. <laughs> and nobody will ever know. They'll never know what was said. Like that time that we were on and Jeff wasn't here and we had to do a lot of editing as well. <laughs> but nobody will ever know. Nobody will ever know. What did you do? Only when week? we get re- really libelous stuff. That's when it, that's yes. when it gets Yeah, that, that's, what, that, that's when we have to go back and edit it with a fine tooth comb. <laughs> what did you do this week? Because you're very dressed up on the podcast this week. Nobody yes. can see this, but you're very dressed up. I'm, I'm wearing a shirt. Um, no, that's just because I'm I'm late home from work and haven't had a chance to to change out of uh, my work gear so far. But no, nothing exciting this week. Um, although, um, what you got? I am looking to book holidays. I'm going to book well, not holidays, but a little city break. And do you know where I'm going on my city break or planning to go? London, mate. No, no. I've changed my mind on that. Oh, I'm going. I'm going to. I I reckon I could give people a thousand guesses and they never get this one. <laughs> Oslo. No. <laughs> Limerick. Birmingham. <laughs> Birmingham. <laughs> What's in Birmingham? What are you going to say in Birmingham? I have decided we're going to, myself and my wife and my daughter, we're going to go over and see Crufts. Ah, stop. Crufts? Yes. Crufts. We're going to go over and see Crufts. Oh city break in the beautiful city of Birmingham. Oh man, did they know this yet? No, but the servants are doing some scouting missions for <laughs> to try to find the best hotel. <laughs> the best hotel with the best view of the dogs. Yeah. I can look I can look out my window and see dogs running around outside here. <laughs> I don't need to go to Birmingham for this. <laughs> but yeah, Tom, you know me. I, I I would only go and see the most sort of sophisticated upper class dogs. Oh yeah, you're out you're out in the park seeing dogs walking around, you're just like disgusting. Untrained animals. Get them out of my sight. 
I need to see purebreds. I want to see a fucking dog dancing on his hind legs. How about that? <laughs> did it do they do that in Crufts? I don't I have no idea. They do, they, do the, they do the dog dancing and they do also the um what is it? Fly ball, I think it's called, where they have to they race each other with the tennis balls. You can get really deep into the analysis of this when you go on the city break, you know. Just be Ooh. like just the like the way that that dog ran up that seesaw, no good. He was falling. No in. good. No good. Falling <laughs> it in. He's, I felt I felt shortchanged. Like I, I felt dirty being there watching him. <laughs> so that's that's my exciting news for this week. What have you been up to? Absolutely nothing. 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 Literally nothing. Haven't been to the gym. Haven't been to the pool. Nothing. Literally nothing. And I like because we're waiting for the we're waiting for the old baby to give us the old uh here. Uh I'm on the way there, lads. So uh, you might want to go to the hospital. So I've been literally like like poised, waiting for the go to go. Because I was thinking about it like as in, do I really want to be in a pool with me pool with, with, with my pool noodles, right? And then to have my phone, which I would keep on the side, because like uh, herself is saying, just go and, and go to the pool, but like bring your phone out and just put it on the side and you can check it. It's like, do I want to be with my pool noodles or my little, my little board? Do I want to be struggling over to the water, the swimming pool to look at it and go, I'm going into the hospital now. I need you to come to the hospital. And then to, for me to be, Paddling, dog paddling out of the pool <laughs> to go get changed to run off to the maternity hospital. No, that was not going I, to be me. I had now have an image of you showing up at the hospital with your swimming hat on. Speed. <laughs> <laughs> hey, 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 I like some people ask me about this. I don't have to wear a swimming hat because I'm bald. <laughs> it's one of the few advantages <laughs> of being bald is that you don't have to wear a swim cap at swimming pools. It's brilliant. It's like a cheat code. Everybody should do it. <laughs> but yeah, I decided that that was not going to be me. I was not going to be somebody who was going to be doggy paddling out of the pool to run off to get changed, then run to the maternity hospital. So I've been, I've been perched in a state of readiness. Like I bags packed, everything ready to go. I another night I will tell the story of when my my daughter arrived and I didn't believe that my wife was going into labor. I won't I won't tell it tonight, but I, I'll go through that another night. <laughs> no, I'm I'm going to be there. Like, like, are you okay? Like, are you all right? She'll she'll sit down and go. Oh, I was like, are you okay? <laughs> She's popping in. It's like, are you all right there? <laughs> and she's just like, I'm fine. It's like, okay. Like, are you sure? <laughs> That's basically what I've been doing for the last week. So we're just there kind of going because we went in for a scan last week and I was kind of expecting, I remember telling you that like, um, hey, it could be called in now. So I might not be able to do that uh, match day reaction pod or just to the squad, the Six Nation squad thing. And then we went in there and we got a scan and like, you can't see this now because you're listening to this like from an audio perspective. But the baby was just on the scan was just like this. Just head back, chilling, eyes closed, not a bother. In no rush whatsoever. So we're just like, oh, okay, okay. So yeah, I've been in a in a state of readiness, basically. And watching a stupid load of rugby, but 
<laughs> very little of the rugby that I'm supposed to be watching <laughs> when it comes to this podcast, which is which is a problem. Um, although to be fair, the Connacht match actually wasn't on TV, was it? No, I don't think it was. Oh well, there you go. Well, there you go. So I didn't even know the result. That. Did they win? Did they win or lose that? They lost that. Oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> Wait, who did I pick last week to win that? <laughs> I don't know. We need someone I don't like know. Jeff to come along Jeff and then just make, make up the results. Somebody sent it into Jeff, and I was like, uh, "I was like, I know, I know that guy. Like that guy's in the TRK Secret Club, and he didn't try to fix it for me. What try? What kind of cult am I running here? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. We'll just go back. And if I'm editing this week, what I might do is I might retroactively edit it and re-upload it later on, so I can get both yourself and Jeff wrong, and then me right, so I can catch up. Right, well then we'll look, we'll kick off. We'll, we'll do it in the order in which the games were played. Um, or I think they were played. Well, I'll have to check them out anyway. We'll start with Leinster, who had a 36-10 win over Racing. I think the it's it was a closer game than the scoreline suggests. Yes. But Racing yeah. ne- never really threatened to sort of beat them, I would say. Not not with regards to how I won't say dominant, but the advantage that they had in certain areas of the game for a time. Um, it was quite well, no, what you want to actually know, Owen, it was not a massive surprise. Some of the things that we saw in this game, because we've been no. talking about them for quite some time. And to be fair, not to get to people who already think that this podcast is biased against Leinster. Look, I try to hide Which it, it is. Which it I, is. I try to hide it. Okay. I try to hide it. Um, we were getting quite excited in the WhatsApp group <laughs> over what was happening in this one. Uh, but it's it's mainly to do with the, the set piece, which, again, con- not confusing, but it's like, it's, it's a weird one because it kind of keeps, it kind of keeps showing up in, in Leinster games, but not to a point where it's actually cost them a loss as of yet. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think they've they've got to a point where I think the scrum has been consistently weak, no matter what the personnel have been. Yeah, within Leinster all season, I think they've got the benefit of reputation on a lot of occasions. Although I don't know whether that's changing or not. Um, the thing, the two things that have stood out to me, I think we've talked about the scrum a lot. The two things that stood out to me within this game was, apart from the scrum, which I think was always been a little bit suspect, mall defense again. They they competed which, a lot in the air, but when when Racing were able to get down, they put them under an awful lot of pressure. Which again, like when you consider how good Leinster's mall attack is. It is a bit odd that on the other side of the ball that they're and, and when you do compete in the air, you are suspect on the ground straight away. But like, mm. what do you think of the argument that that I've heard some people in in my replies um, asking? Is the loss of Jason Jenkins a big loss in the scrum, or is this a propping and hooker issue, and or maybe tight head issue? Because I, I can see Michael Alatoa has gotten a bit of heat as well over the last couple of of, of games for his scrummaging or some of his work in the tight. I'm not sure if Jason Jenkins fixes up some of the issues that are there, to be honest. I, I think just from a pure size and bulk, and you get someone like Furlong back as well. Yeah, you get, Furlong. You get, 
yeah, you get the two of them back. It'll add to Leinster scrum. I don't think it fixes it though, because I I think I'll, and we we talked about it last week. I think a lot of the issues come from the loose head side with the loose head popping the hips out and allow allowing the the opposition tight head to come across. And to I be mean, fair, it doesn't really matter who's behind you if that's happening. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think when you have like when you have Jenkins and Furlong, we'll say on the tight head side, that helps that battle over there, which means that if there's any sort of issue on the loose head side, that's not really as visible. Yeah, but it's it's still something that it's shown up. It's not just something that's just been there in one game, which I suppose no. is a, it's a concern from an Irish perspective also because that's the majority of the of the Irish front row there really when you consider uh, Alatoa not obviously but like Sheehan and, and Porter certainly I would say are, are going to be cast iron starters for Ireland I, I, I'm interested in how Ireland deal with it but I wonder if Ireland will go more with Kelleher to start and Sheehan off the bench that would be an interesting one yeah no, I like his in because I, I, I like I like Kelleher as a scrummager as well I think yeah. the issues when, when Kelleher is there the issues are less pronounced with Porter. And it's not that Porter can't scrummage, like he can, but he is getting caught a little bit. And it's something that referees now are becoming more aware of the more it happens, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, but, and then I think that's right. I think the mall then is, I think some of it comes down to the fact are they going up more because they're unable to deal with it on the ground defensively? Or are they going? Are they going up more because it's the percentage play they feel? Yeah, that that's that's actually good. Like I suppose that's that's kind of chicken and the egg kind of situation. Then really, is it? It's like, is the mall defense weak because you're going up into the air, or is your mall defense weak? You feel so you're going to go up into the air more to limit your exposure to it. I suppose it's a tough one. To, it's a tough one to know unless you're literally inside the camp. But yeah, it's something that I don't really associate with Leinster like mall defense not being good, but like you look at the last couple of games, that has been a factor and it's been, they've been pretty strong Leinster setups there. Um, so that's a bit unusual to see, but I will say this, Leinster's phase play and Leinster's defense and Leinster's first phase attack is the best in Europe for me at the moment. I think their defense is outstanding. I think that like I, you, look I, at, you look at the quality, I, it's all there. I, I think they're peerless in that. I, I, don't, I don't think there's a team that I, I have seen be able to perform to that level consistently anywhere in Europe um, this season. And that's why the scrum and the mall are not a factor for them because they're so far ahead of everyone else in those facets of the game. Not that yet. they're. But like, I will say this though, Gloucester and Racing, <laughs> no great chicks. No great shakes, no. Bill. <laughs> they're like they're like as in they're they're not actually somebody the other day. I know there's a lot of aim and dumpyisms that are out there as well, but there was one in particular that I completely forgot about that cracks me up every time I've heard it because I was reminded of it since. Where he was just like, Niall Quinn, Bill, is a creep, <laughs> <laughs> or Ronaldo, he's a cod, Bill. <laughs> he's a lover, <laughs> but like. It's, I, I think with, with Racing, because again, Owen, I got so many reply guys at the weekend. So many at the weekend for what was a banal tweet. 
I've I have thrown out far more rancid bait than this before. This wasn't even bait. This was me saying, in my opinion, that Toulouse are the best team in Europe right now. And I had so many guys kind of going, well, actually, it's Leinster. Sorry there, but it's Leinster. Okay. The reason why I think it's Toulouse, right, is that the teams that Leinster have played in Europe, and Leinster have gone pretty much full strength in all those games, are no great Shakespeare. (laughs) (laughs) Ratson are, they have a, a pretty... Top, by top 14 standards, run-of-the-mill scrum, run-of-the-mill attacking mall. They have some good players. You know, uh, Finn Russell's a good player. But they're very, very I would good just like team. to say Jimmy O'Brien is also a good player. Jimmy O'Brien is, sorry, sorry. He is a very good player. And Josh van der Fleer is very handsome. But when you look at the, the overall strength of racing, I mean, they're not really a top-level French side, like when you consider some of the other teams that are there. And Gloucester... Gloucester of a fairly moderate English group this year of, of teams in there. I think they're one of them. I I think so. I I would say I would say this. I think and I'll come on to your Toulouse statement because I think not only are you wrong, but I think all the reply guys are wrong as well. <laughs> <laughs> I think for me, the likes of I think all the English teams are mid-tier teams in terms of the Champions Cup. Yeah. There is there is not one of them. And I think they're feeling the effects of the salary cap, which makes the, the premiership competitive, but has taken them completely out of the European equation. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the only one that was potentially, there was question marks around was someone like, could Saracens get back to where they were? And going from the Edinburgh game, at the weekend, the yeah. answer to that looks to be no. No, because look again, a lot of their top guys, it's four or five years later, you know, and yeah. you know that it, 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 it takes a toll, you know, like as in nobody can stay at that level forever. But like they still look like a really good coached outfit, but I think some of the top end quality that they had isn't there anymore, and mm-hmm. it makes it a little bit more difficult. And in the same way that we say the likes of Northampton and Gloucester are mid tier teams, mm-hmm. I also put. Monster in that mid-tier bracket and you say Toulouse are the best team in Europe I'm saying if I'm rating them and Monster can push them that close twice home and away I ain't rating them too much based although, on that although I think that Monster are a bad matchup for this Toulouse side but I think looking at the build that Toulouse have I know La Rochelle are the other comparison right mm-hmm. I think Toulouse have a more rounded back row just as big if a, a, a second row. And I think they have better halfbacks than almost everybody else in, in this year's tournament. So that's why they, for me, I think Munster are a bad matchup for Toulouse the way that Munster play. But I think that Toulouse, I'd be very surprised if they didn't win it this year. Looking at the way that they I, watching it back, they are, they are very, extremely formidable. I no, I I don't disagree that they're that they're I think they're in the group just below Leinster and La Rochelle, um, and I I see La Rochelle as being potentially the only team that will give Leinster a a proper run at it. Um, oh, in the I, Champions I, Cup this year. I I I think Leinster versus Toulouse this year. I think if Toulouse aren't at the end of a nightmare mode, fourteen week in a row, home dinger 
after the Six Nations or during it, I think they'll give Leinster a much tighter game this year. But I think they'll give them a better game. I don't rate their scrum. I think they've they've months Munster held out very well. Saw Joe with John Ryan, and we can talk about that later. Um, they have the ability to go. I don't think they have the fitness to take on what Leinster can do if Leinster get on the front football and actually go through the phases against them. Um, and I think that'll be a problem for them. The only thing that coming back to the sort of the Leinster side of it, the only thing that would worry me outside the scrum and the mall was actually the was actually the penalty count. So if you look at um it was 14 penalties and one yellow this week, and the previous week against uh, Gloucester, it was 17 penalties and two yellows. So now you can you can talk about it, you know, is that poor discipline or is that because you now have a weakness at the scrum and the mall? Yeah, and look, and to be fair, like a lot of that, some of those, I mean, well, I won't say a lot of it, but like Joe McCarthy had a fairly impetuous game, I would say here, where he was um, giving away quite a number of penalties. Not sure if that will necessarily be the case the next time they're in a big game, but it is a question mark because wrestling are certainly, they're big and they're physical, but I'm not sure if they're even close to being the biggest or most physical challenge that's out there at the moment. And if Leinster mm. were kind of reacting like that, that would give me pause, not concern. I hope Leinster don't win a fucking thing this year. To be, <laughs> to be frank, <laughs> but no, I, I I I think that like from a Leinster perspective, I'm not sure if if that necessarily the discipline over the last two weeks. I'm not sure if that's a massive concern for them. Because I think um, lo- looking at looking at their their running, I mean they've got uh, Ulster in the in the the round of sixteen game, which 16. to me looks like a fucking banana skin if I've ever seen one, just because of the last game that Ulster had against them. I'm not sure if Ulster can be that fucking skittish again, but we, we, we will see. We'll come to that. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, but yeah, no, I, I, I'm not sure it's going to be an issue for Ulster where they won't get, I would say a big physical test this year, like on like, sure. We were saying it the other day, the Mm. biggest test that they got so far this season, I would say is that 60 minutes, spell against the Sharks in the RDS yeah and that's when like when, that and, and like their fitness and their the quality of their defense um like that's the big that's the big plus for me is their is their phase play defense is outstanding but again if that if those penalties start to show up against a, a bigger more physical outfit because there are bigger fit more physical teams than them then they they can get hurt by that and that's something I think will, will be a concern and I, I think, you know, I think the, the old idea about Leinster not being tested, you know, is a bit of a meme at this stage. You know, when they get to a final and they lose or, you know, they lose to some bigger French team or whatever else, oh, they, just, they, were, they weren't tested. It's, there is something to it, to a certain extent, because I think for Leinster, the way that the last couple of seasons have gone, in Europe anyway, the season doesn't really kick into gear for them until April. So it's very difficult for them to get a read on where exactly something might not be right up until literally it's the week of the game where that might show itself. And like it didn't happen last week again, last season against Toulouse. I think Toulouse are better this year. I think like the addition of Jack Willis has been outstanding for him. But still, I think looking at at, at Leinster, this is a, like I think as it went to the last twenty minutes just a really good performance as it, as it played out. Like Gary Ringrose, I thought had a super game. 
Um, but I think at the same point, at the same time, you could look at it and go, okay, we haven't seen Leinster really up against it against a serious team. And I would have concerns that if Gloucester can concern them for 10 or 15 minutes and Racing can disrupt them, I would say, for 60 minutes, that in itself is a concerning enough note where that won't translate well against, we'll say, Toulouse or La Rochelle or even somebody like the Stormers or the Bulls even. And the Bulls aren't great, but the Bulls have, a, I think, are a bad matchup for Leinster, even though the Bulls themselves aren't great. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think the the strike play quality was was the one thing that that stood out to me, and like they were, it's not, it's not that they're doing anything special within that, but it's the number of variations, the number of things that the opposition have to look at. I think it was at the the first try that they scored off the line out, where like you have van der Fleer steps out so that it looks like a mall is coming. So you've tied the, you've tied the forwards in. You have uh, Luke McGrath actually starts stepping out in towards the 10 channel and they bring Larmer in on the inside to act almost as the scrum half, which gives them the width to get there, which allows Ross Byrne to stand in midfield. And then he's playing that sort of loop or dummy play within there which has two or three options off it so you've kept everyone on the narrow side and locked them in and then you're exposing and making defenders make decisions before they know what's coming within there and that's what Leinster are bringing that I think is taking the taking the right option at the right time they're just so used to it it's it's almost becomes like you know it, it's almost something that just happens automatically instinctive and yeah, and, and, and I think as well, I think the team who will beat Leinster in a, you know, a category A game this year will be the team that destroys them at their lineout, which I think is also the case for yeah. Ireland. Take away that lineout, and I think Leinster's phase play this season actually hasn't been all that impressive. But their first three phases after the lineout or the scrum that they launch off are as good anywhere, as you'll see, in my opinion. Anywhere. Test level, anywhere. They're outstanding there. And their defense is fabulous as well. That's a huge plus. Well, their face play defense is unreal. Yeah, I think their defense is what gets them. Like The one thing you can't do against Leinster is get a high penalty count. Because once you start conceding territory and letting them into your half or your 22 to play, you're fucked. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> like they, 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 they kill you there. So it's like it's a, it's like it is about discipline on your own possession, and I think that's where physicality plays a point as well. That if you're bigger than Leinster, you can probably you can withstand their 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 game there a little bit more and force them into kicking. Um, but that's the thing with 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 Leinster, they've got such a sophisticated way of playing. I think, and they've got they've got so many options that like their defensive lineup is really good as well. Getting up into the air, I can see why they back it. They've got a lot of good jumpers there, counter jumpers as well. Uh, but I just feel after this pool stage, I don't know if Leinster are any better than last year when it comes to, well, will they beat a team like the Bulls again or the Stormers again? And I suppose I, I think it goes, well, it depends. Like, it depends. I'm not sure if they're radically better than last season as of yet. I, 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 I think La Rochelle are the worst matchup for Leinster. And look, that's... 
been seen. But I think because they can match them physically, plus they have the ability with their back row to actually challenge them at the breakdown and jackal the ball. So they're slowing down and winning ball over. They're forcing Leinster to become, put more players into the ruck to secure it. They take away the heavy pod movements and the quick ball. And that stops Leinster getting over the game line and getting quick ruck ball. And once you do that, as you said, they're forced to kick and it stops the natural flow of their game. And I think for, for that, that's why I think Le Rochelle are the, the worst out of that. I think Toulouse can do some of that, but they don't have the scrum necessarily and the heavy hitters to do that enough. Um, but look, I think that's that's for a different day. Off-field news for, for Leinster, it's been reported, not confirmed yet, but re- reported in the Irish Times that Leo Cullen has signed on for a two-year deal. It's a slight change from his uh, normal one-year rolling deal, but I presume it's something that the Leinster themselves wanted with Lancaster going. It, it sort of makes sense. Um, there's been no news so far on... Uh, Lancaster's replacement although I think they are talking potentially about um, Andrew Goodman stepping up internally and taking uh, a much more active role um, as a senior coach and then potentially bringing someone in on on the defensive side That would be a surprise to me if they did that although it's a difficult market to go hiring a head coach in Um, certainly one of, of Stuart Lancaster's pedigree I suppose but I suppose when Leinster hired Stuart Lancaster, he wasn't the Stuart Lancaster he is now, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I think getting Leo Cullen on a two-year deal makes a ton of sense. Like, a bit, it's a bit of stability, um, which, which I think every club needs. And I think Leinster have been very good in maintaining that stability over the last seven or eight years. Like, disruption doesn't always have to be a killer, but a lot of the time it is a killer. Um, and I think that... Actually, do you know what? Do you think... Because with the two-year deal that Colin has signed, do you think Sexton is going to retire at the World Cup? No. Neither do I. <laughs> I don't see it. I don't see it. I can see him playing on until the end of twenty, the the, the end of season twenty twenty-four. I I think he'll get some sort of a, a deal from whether it's with Ireland or not. I don't know, but he he'll, he'll get a deal to play on. I think. I think they're. They're effectively going to have to cut cut the jersey off him and bring him in the body bag <laughs> yeah, or something. Like, yeah, they just keep saying, "Oh yeah, we're training and like in a different part of UCD." So he just kind of shows up over there. It's like, "Hey, where the fuck is everybody?" And they're all hoping to get the session finished before he finds out. But <laughs> <laughs> the old key card doesn't work if he's trying to get into the RDS on a match day. <laughs> I don't know. I I don't. I like. I I think that's like the first coach that's going to be there after Sexton is going to have a tough time. And it won't be that Ross Byrne or whatever else isn't a good player or Leinster that, that they don't have good players. They have great players all the way through their, their team they do. But it's a difficult thing to replace that guy when he's not in the room. It's grand for week one. It's almost a relief. <laughs> you know? You're just like, oh, fucking hell. Good job that guy isn't here roaring at us or whatever. I think it's around month three when you start to realize that... um that guy isn't coming back anymore. And then that's when you start to miss big generational players like that. So it's a, it's a, it's an interesting one, but I think when I saw Leo Collins signing a two-year deal, I thought to myself, do you know what? I wouldn't be at all surprised if he had Johnny on for the end of, um, for the end of the, 
the 2023-2024 season. I would not be surprised if that's also going to be happening. So we'll see. We'll see how that one goes. So this week, uh, Leinster have Cardiff at home on Saturday evening. Um, Cardiff been fairly meh this season. <laughs> I think it's uh, fair to say they've they've had so they've had some good results, but I think um, they've been very up and down. Yeah. It's been patchy, I think is maybe the, the nicest way to see it to say it. And they have been somewhat um overshadowed by the Ospreys. Who, to be fair, in terms, in terms are going are going very, very well. But I think when Cardiff click, they can be very, very good. It, it's just a consistency. That's always been the thing for Cardiff. I think they lost at the weekend as well, didn't they? Um in the I Challenge Cup, but it's like, it's, it's, yeah, I think Leinster will win this, but this will be the first time that they won't have access to guys like Sheehan at all. Um, and he's played so much rugby this year. It's mad. Like, so that, that in itself will be a challenge that there's a lot of those guys going and for their second layer has always been a big strength of Leinster rugby. So they've got a bit of a challenge I, to put up to them this year or uh, this, this week now. I, I think this one will be a lot closer than people think, purely on the basis that, as you said, Leinster's strength and depth has always been very much positive over previous years. This year, I think even in the second, when they've when they've been missing guys, they've still had an over-reliance on a core of players, yeah. first team players that like you said, whether it's Sheen, whether it's Porter, whether it's oh, yeah, um, like they're they're game Dan winners, Fleer. like yeah. game game, like they're game winners, and they have a core of those game winners, you know. Like even when they were up against it was the Ospreys, you know, and they they um they needed to to have those guys come on and sort of influence the game to get them back on track, even like bring Ross Byrne and others. I think missing a lot of them, it could be a lot closer than people think, but I I still. Reckon Leinster will win that. Yeah, I, I think Leinster will win it as well. I'd be surprised if this ends up being a kind of a, a, a really close game, uh, just given that Leinster are at home. But I, I can see what you're saying there about the sort of the not not hangover, but like a lot of those game winners that they have being missing, and then things might be a little because again, they're without Ross Byrne this time, and he's typically been a fellow who has driven them through a lot of these games where, like, I think that he's a, a, a good player. And I'm not sure if he's going to be an outstanding test level player. We wait and see how that goes. But he's always been so good at driving them through games like this. And having somebody else in there, that's a disruptive thing. It's like it it it, it is a, like and it, it'll be interesting mm-hmm. to see how they handle that. But um I still see Leinster winning. And I I think that it'll be the usual thing of they'll pull away in the last 15 minutes, and uh that'll be that. Yeah. Okay, then we'll move on to Ulster, who had a big, big, big win, 22-11 over the Sharks. Um, two tries in the last 15 minutes to win it. I got very much the impression, you could see from the players, this was a huge relief for them. Oh, massive. Absolute. Yeah, because like this is a good game. Like, Sale, Sale put it up to them. Like, this was a, a proper game for the, the majority. And... um. I think looking at how Ulster reacted to that and managed to pull out the win, there was one big moment I think kind of turned it around for me. Was that big Dwayne Vermeulen carry 
of a goal line dropout. Because remember, Ulster went through a period there where they were knocking on the door, they were held up over the line. Was it twice? I and- I, I I agree with you on that, but I was screaming at the TV. I was like, they they kept going. First of all, they had they were inside the 22. And all season and for the last couple of seasons, they have relied and been successful with their line-out mall as the launch play. And they went to a tap penalty instead. And then, never mind that, the, the original point was they didn't need a bonus point to get through. And they should have known that at that point, Yeah, that they didn't need that. Why were you not taking the points? It's effectively cup rugby knockout. All you have to yeah, do is beat it, it was essentially a knockout game, yeah. Whoever won yeah. that game was, was going through. The other person, the other team was out. Yeah. So at that point, why why are you trying to batter over with tap penalties rather than just take the points, come back, take the points? And I, I just thought it was poor game management again from them. I think they were lucky to get over the line. I think looking at, at Ulster, though, like, is this their turning point for the season? Because it, it, it kind of got away from them there <laughs> over the last number of weeks. <laughs> not not going to lie to you. <laughs> got a little bit ropey. Yeah, got, got away from us there, a small bit. Um, but to do that without Ian Henderson, I think there's lots of value in that. Um, and Sale, as good as they looked in that first game, no, no great shakes, Bill. <laughs> I, I, I just feel... I just feel that there's still a lack of cohesion in it. I think, what else um, yeah, I think this was, was, it, was wasn't it wasn't it Raj saying something in the papers there the other day, but how kind of that there's something not not right in the camp or something. Well, I to be honest, with you, I don't know what's right or wrong in the camp, but there was obviously they were obviously delighted with the win and things like that, and I think versus the the comic win that they've had in this run, which was their only other one. You know, this was one that they they actually they won it rather than the opposition didn't give it away yeah. or didn't give ma- it back ma- to ma- that, that they managed not to lose. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. Like still, it was. It was like I think there was there was elements of the game to be happy enough with though. Like I could think that Dwayne from Mute and Carry for me was just like very good. A big man taking the ball and running at full pelt into other big men. And look, that's always going to grab the headlines and the thing, but I think. They managed the game poorly. I thought they continued to play off nine. Their backs looked to have a lack of cohesion. I could, I didn't see an awful lot of the transition play that we would have maybe last season or maybe very early this season through their backs. That hasn't been there. I think, the, you know, and we're potentially even seeing that in the reflection of the Ireland squad now. You're not, you know, you're not seeing the, the likes of Lowry or Hume or or these guys. Um, well, to be fair, I think, I think Hume since he's come back from November, hasn't looked like the same player. He was away with Ireland no. in November, sure he was. Hasn't looked the same player. He's come back and confidence looks to be not great. And I'm only just looking at what I'm seeing on field. Maybe he's doing fucking cartwheels around the place. I don't know. But looks like there's a massive amount of confidence there. Yeah, and I mean, look, some of that's got to be the way that they're playing. As I said, I don't see an awful lot of cohesion in the backs. I think there's an awful lot of give it to McCluskey and let him crash it up there and we'll try and play off that a bit. Um, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, you you know, I could play 10 in that system. <laughs> I would like to see that. You're just there. I think it would be really good. Putting the hand up. 
This is like, <laughs> yeah, can I ship this on? You bet your ass I can ship it on. Yeah. You, you, you could be a, a crash ball 10 like Andre Pollard's. <laughs> and, and I'm going to insist on McCluskey on the outside of me and Dwayne Vermeulen on the inside yeah. the little pop passes the little, the little pop pass that you give five metres before the game line <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and then I just skip merrily back into my position there yeah just like yeah and then still having the temerity to start pointing fellas around the place and looking pissed yeah. off if they drop the ball it's just like come on come on I'm, 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 putting, I'm throwing gold here these, these um, bums and losers keep dropping it I think I'd make a brilliant ten. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's but on the on the other hand, they were solid up front. They took on Sale, who are you know, I'd still put them in that mid-tier team, but they have they sale have a big pack. Big, big pack. Big, big physical team. Yeah, they're like they're they're big and physical there. They're, they're like not to the level they might have been a couple of seasons ago when they had like Lou Diagra there and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. yeah, no, like a good physical outfit, like and um uh, you know, I, I think with Ulster, I think that elements of their game is not joined up where I think they have a forward game off nine I think they have a kicking game uh, like a short a shorter kicking game for example I'm not sure if their kicking game and what their forwards do and what they have their backs doing I'm not sure if that's all joined up yeah. I think I think there's lots of things there that aren't necessarily sinking into each other as of yet and um you know, the guys that they've signed for next year, they're doubling down on what they know works, which is trucking it hard off nine. It's like, if you look at, you're bringing in Stephen Kitchoff and Dave yours, you're not bringing in those boys to be throwing screen passes. <laughs> they're, they're not meant to be running in the tram lines. <laughs> yeah, Dave yours isn't going to be an edge runner. He's not waiting out there for a crossfield kick, let's put it that way. He's going to be standing off nine. <laughs> Stand off fucking nine, middle of the pod, give it to Dave yours. Yeah. He's six foot. He's six foot four tall, and he's also six foot four wide. He's a, that is what he is there to do. And he he only runs in one direction, straight. Straight. He goes in a straight line. This is like yeah. is, he, is, is he sidestepping? If so, he lost no. his balance. He yeah. is he is running hard and straight. That's what he's there to do. And, and he like, does it very very well. He does it very well. Do you think that they will lose John Cooney to Scotland? The the noise coming out of it seems to be because well I mean uh, Gregor Townsend like literally named him as somebody who they may bring in during the Six Nations. Late, they no he said later in the Six Nations and I was doing I was looking at it because apparently Cooney doesn't actually qualify until the middle of the Six Nations. Yeah, so no, that's I, I why think he's that's, that's why he's not up. in. Yeah, that's why he's not in the initial squad. But um, Townsend has said he's spoken to him and he's interested in bringing him in. That has big complications for Ulster for next season. It does, because then he's non-Irish qualified at that point. The the question is, do they do something like, oh my God. Who's that? What's that music? Whose music is that? Who is that? I've got the look. Hello. 
It's Jeff Neville. Jeff, Jeff Neville, Neville. Hi guys. How are you? Good. You started early, didn't you? Not that early. You were bullshitting uh, away for five, five uh, or ten minutes before start, before pressing record. You see, yeah. I for, I forgot that because you weren't on, that I would have to record. Uh, oh, did you forget? I forgot completely. I was just oh, like, well, no. I'm just gonna wait for the for the invite list on thing on WhatsApp, and it's just like, well, it's not here. It's like, oh wait, <laughs> shit. <laughs> also, you're not on early. I'm an hour late. An hour late, yeah. How was the um? How was the how did the how did the arrest go? The solicitor got you out, yeah. Is that what G said, is it? No, I, know, I, 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 was, I, I, I don't even remember what I said. I was making to toast. Honest, making toast. I was trying to make the perfect slice of toast. The first one was too brown, and then I overreacted, and I popped the other one too early, and then I forgot about the third one. Listen, it was a whole thing. Yeah, one of the, one of the and, then, and then I worked to make three slices of toast. It was a whole thing. It was a whole thing. I finally got there, though. Um, but I'm here. I'm here. I just didn't want to talk about Leinster, so I was like, fuck it, I'll just be late. But, yeah. That's good. Uh, we're we're I'll, fully I'll through read, Leinster. I already told the, told the audience that I root for Leinster's failure every week. Every week, I hope they lose. Have you only, have you only covered Leinster? Have you, are you only one? No, we're, 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 mid, we're midway through Ulster. We're are talking only, about Cooney for Scotland. You're only on the second team? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I might jump off and come back. <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about John Cooney. Oh, power! more power to Cooney. I tell you that. More power to John Cooney. Yeah. I just wish I just wish you would stop kind of posting that LinkedIn style stuff about like kicking. I like it. I really like it. I, I hate it. I, hate I think it. it's dead cool. <laughs> I hate it. Do you think that John Cooney? Because I would say right now, if John Cooney was eligible for Scotland now, I think he would be at least a starter for them. At what's the very least. What's more than a starter? On the bench, as a fellow who comes in, or, you know, who who isn't their starting nine. I think he starts for them <laughs> so at the very be- least. Yeah, but your phrase there is poor. Like at the very least, he'd be in the twenty-three. I'm, I'm not any good at this. The most okay. he would be as a starter. There's literally no. Yeah, no. More. I, I I think he is at least in the squad. <laughs> yeah. Nine or ten. Yeah, I think, I think he gives you that thing off the bench. Can he? Can he? Can he prop for you? <laughs> can he? Can he? Can he do a job for you there? A tight head. I think he's in the squad as well, to be honest. And I think we will see him brought into the squad as soon as he... Like, well, he's able to come into the squad now, isn't he? Even though he's we, not... We in literally the... just said before you came oh. on, it's midway through. <laughs> midway through. <laughs> I've made a... I've made a right balls of this podcast. I heard, I, I heard somebody there saying the other day, though, that like... That's... I hope Ulster playing hardball. That like, if he was... <laughs> You're not going to Scotland at all. How about that, John? <laughs> You're staying How here. about that? How about that? Um, that if he was involved with Ireland, that he wouldn't be even thinking about joining uh, up with Scotland. And I'm like, yeah, that's that's kind of how this works. I like, yeah. I mean, <laughs> like if he was playing with Ireland, that's what makes him eligible. This couldn't even happen. <laughs> do you know? Do you know what? If I was selected to start for Ireland next week, I have a strong feeling I wouldn't be playing for Wales. That that is true, given so, that you can only do one of them. That's how it works. That's how it works. <laughs> I think I would at least be starting. Um, no, listen. I mean, like, what has he? He's eleven caps for Ireland, and only one of them is a start. So, like, if he's looking to play international rugby with Scotland, absolutely, fucking go have at it. Do you know what I mean? And like, people are saying, you know, wouldn't it be wildly ironic if he kicked the winner against Ireland in the World Cup? <laughs> is it ironic? Like, it's 
he, it's not like, you know, an out and out starter that they've just let go. It's a guy they've ignored for how long? Like, yeah, go for it. Like, go nuts. It's your career. Enjoy it. Like, like if he gets to go to a World Cup and play a large part in it or play an important part for Scotland and the Six Nations. Hey, how bad? Like, you're not going to be doing that sitting at home waiting for Ireland to call you at this stage. Like, because, so. like, because, like, my man, they're not calling. That is not happening. I, I will say, I don't like the rule of tier one players being able to, um, I suppose, disregard their caps for their tier one countries and then, I suppose, take up <laughs> the, or sorry, win caps for other tier one countries. I think it should be a case of tier one, you're allowed to drop down to tier two with an affiliation. Some yeah, sort of an affiliation. Yeah. Scotland are nearly tier two at this stage. <laughs> Okay, that's that's alienated the two Scottish listeners that we have. Yes, but no, but look, battered Mars bars are shit. It's rubbish. I won't have a bad word said about Iron Bruno. You're making Um, shit at two things there: the batter and the Mars bar. But isn't uh, Kerr Barlow? Am I right in saying this that he's eligible to play for Australia? Yes, he is. Yes, yeah. He could literally go play for the team he played against in a World Cup final. Yeah, and yeah. Jason, Jason Jenkins, I think, is eligible for Wales. Yeah, but like, why would you? To be fair, he may want to think, do you know what? Replace Alan Wynne Jones, I can do that. Well, he's wearing blue now, so he can do anything he wants. He can do anything he wants. Yeah. But, um, yeah, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll move on from that. So Ulster have the Stormers on Friday night um, in Ravenhill. Another big test for them. I mean, they obviously passed the, the the one against Sale, but I think this this is the one they have to back that up now. The I think it's it's well, I'll say this: it's bad enough that the way that they've performed in the Champions Cup that they've got through to the knockouts with one win. I first of all, the format there is shocking, but um, this is where it really counts now. Back in the URC, they've been on a, a significant slide in the URC. They've come from what looked like guaranteed second almost at one point they're down in mid table um they lose this i think they're they're dragged into a sort of a fight for a six seven eight almost dragged into the um, mosh pit down and down, yeah. down in down between i'd say fifth and tenth things are very sweaty down here <laughs> and a lot of it's going to depend on what sort of a team the stormers have up for this I think if you're the Stormers, you might as well just go hard on this now because you're not going to be, you know, you're going to be at home for the next couple of weeks anyway um, with the Six Nations starting and stuff like that. So, yeah, I think it'll be, if you're if you're the Stormers, go hard at that game. Yeah. What do you reckon, Jeff? Um, what do I think? I think, yeah, I mean, it's going to be the last game for how long? Six weeks, maybe? No. For the start for the start Yeah. yeah. I should yeah, so you won't they won't like no teams are playing in during uh, a test I, window, are they? No, there's there's one or two games going on during the test window this year. And the on the off weeks. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I'd say go hard. It's only one game, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd say go heavy, go hard. But I'm gonna go for an Ulster win. They're coming off the back of that sale. They haven't lost a huge number to Ireland. They look to continue momentum. 
they have to look to continue momentum because one win against Sale does not disguise the last six, seven weeks. So I'm going to go for an Ulster win in this one. And I missed the Leinster talk. I don't even know who Leinster are playing next week, but I'm going for Leinster. Card, Cardiff, Cardiff at home. All right, I'm going for Leinster winning that too. Okay, so that's three for Leinster. You're going Ulster, Tom? Uh, I'm going to go with a Stormers win. Um, I think that Stormers are playing quite well right now. I think that they will have a, or should have a stronger team for this. And I think that they've got a sort of game that can really hurt Ulster especially without guys like McCluskey and stuff like that and Herring. Um, so I think that, yeah, I think the Stormers to win that one, um, but a losing bonus point for, for Ulster. Big I'm, I'm gonna go. Stormer energy is what I'm bringing here. I'm going to, I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to back Ulster on this one. I think I'm going to hope from an, from an Irish perspective that they can continue on the, the trajectory from the sale game, get a bit of momentum behind them and and take that uh, at home. Um, I think if they don't, they're in, they're in big trouble. Moving on then to Connacht, who lost to Newcastle away, 35-21. They were 21-0 down after 20 minutes. Um, this game was played behind... <laughs> Behind, well, I won't say closed doors, but it wasn't on television anyway. Um, it wasn't on my dodgy so, box either. No, it wasn't on my dodgy box. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I mean, I mean, completely legal box. <laughs> um, so it, it was. It's hard to tell in terms of the um, the quality of it. I've only seen some of the highlights of the tries, etc. Um, for me, the biggest takeaway from this is. Andy Friend and Pete Wilkins and that, they have, I think it looks like they've deliberately decided to rotate the squad within this competition. And that in itself is fine. But they were in a position to get a home quarterfinal. They left the likes of Carty out. They had Aki out for different reasons, whatever else. But they they have essentially blown what is a home quarterfinal in this. And you can talk, they're, what are, they're away to Benetton in the knockouts now, which is a tough place to go. That makes it harder not only to win the competition or to progress in it, but it takes away the financial benefit of a home quarter final, which would have been, I'm not going to say it's a sellout, but you're going to get a decent bit of income coming in on it in terms of ticket sales. And that's the big loss for Connacht. For, for a province that needs money more than anyone else within this to supplement it to get whether it's player signings whatever else has to go through that that's the biggest loss and I think that's where fans have the right to be pissed off about this yeah it's funny we talked about this game there last week and obviously before the four teams are named and I was saying I reckon Connor can go across and beat Newcastle and then they name the team and you're like okay uh, it's slightly harder and then they get a 21 nil deficit in 19 minutes and you're kind of like man that's crazy. give me enough rope to fucking hang myself here and then they kind of come back into it but still fail but I'm totally on your own if you're in that position and especially with what happened with Bristol there during the week when you're well, kind of like dead points deducted yeah. points deducted as well and you're kind of just like you know actually you know what we're sitting pretty here we're three from three again you're heading into a test window why not and I know there's URC this weekend like, but like 
you know, you're, you're closing out that part of Europe. You're kind of just like, why not go hard? Guarantee a home quarter. Like, and like, like, like you said, there's the financial side of it, home quarter. But there's all the like unseen parts of, an, uh, of a home quarter final that a lot of people don't see. Like, yeah, you're playing at home, home crowd, whatever. But like you're waking up in your own bed. Like you're, you're having breakfast in your own kitchen. You have your own routine. You know what's there. Like you're not sitting in a hotel going, geez, I'd love something to eat now or I'd love to go for a nap or I have some fella in my room that I have to share a room with and wake up and listen to him snoring. It's all those little things. Like you, you're not wasting half a day traveling or whatever it might be. Like you're not recovering from that. There's all those little things and you're just thinking, win that game, get a home quarter, wake up in your own beds. Bit of, not only that, but like a bit of momentum as well. Like, you know, you're heading into the URC now in the back of a loss when you could have been heading into the URC in a nice little break off getting or earning a home quarter final as well. So there's loads of the mental side of it, I think, that's involved that I think Connacht have just missed a trick on there. But ultimately, they're still into the, the quarterfinals of Europe. Away to Benetton will be sticky. Um, and if especially if Benetton keep going out with that momentum they have at the moment, like they're where are they sitting now in URC about six, seventh, maybe? Yeah, around there. Like again, sticky place to go. And we said that about Ulster a few weeks ago, and sure Ulster lost. So I mean, yeah, I think that I did I do think, yeah, fine, there's the financial side and everything like that, but just as something as small as a player waking up in his own bed on match day. Um, you know, things like that. I think they have missed a trick there. I think as well with the the actual result here and the manner of it of the game I did not see let me let me be very specific about this Finley Beelham got a hat trick didn't he? I think he did I think, yeah. also, I think I saw some, yeah. that, that's all I saw about it really class hat trick and, and man of the match <laughs> that's, um, that's the stuff to lose away to to Newcastle um, who aren't who necessarily are the, who are out of the competition at that point yeah like I mean that's that's a bit of a momentum killer as well, regardless of what the priority internally for the game was. That's something that takes a little bit of getting over, you know. Um, I'm not sure it'll be a massive factor for them this weekend. <laughs> now, keep in mind, I have no idea who they're playing. <laughs> so, I'll just update you. They're, they're at home to the Lions on Saturday night. So, unless the Lions have learned to do, to do, do all the other bits outside of the scrum since their visit to Cork. <laughs> But the, the scrum is very yeah. impressive, though. It is that. very unless, impressive. But even when they had an impressive scrum, they still played it off the back. They didn't even leave yeah. it in. Yeah, just they leave didn't, it in. It was like, how to use the impressive we're, scrum. We're going to fuck up your scrum, but we're going to play it before we get a penalty. Yeah, we're going <laughs> to. We're not going to cheese penalties, though. We're not going to do that. And if we get a penalty, we're scrumming again. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, I I think Connacht should win that but again I think the Lions have shown that like if they get a purchase in the game at all they can be a fucking difficult enough team to deal with because like they beat Cardiff uh, in Cardiff and like without necessarily playing outstandingly well um, Connacht just have to shape up a little bit they'll be without some key guys um, but they should have enough to win that game I would say I'm going to go with a Connacht win I'm a huge Connacht fan and I hope, I hope they win for Connacht as well, yeah. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just looking at some of the results. The the Lions have beaten Ospreys away, Cardiff away, Edinburgh, Edinburgh away, away. You know, <laughs> my, jo- my choice of Cardiff is getting slimmer, <laughs> <laughs> or of Connacht, I should say. Um, but I'm still, um, go- I'm still gonna go with Connacht, yes. Yeah, look, I'm I'm still gonna go. With what what I saw from the Lions down in Thomond Park, if unless they're improving by multiples in the thousands. 
<laughs> I don't see them being competitive in this. No respect it was to the that Lions. bad. None. Less than zebra level respect to the Lions at this point. <laughs> because they were that bad that day. Um so yeah, I got I gotta go for that. So I think we've uh, three for Connacht on that one. Outside of that, um the sort of the games, uh Connacht have announced extensions for Hawkshaw and Tierney Martin. Um Hawkshaw, I think in particular, I think he was only on a one year deal, so they've signed him up for two two seasons. I think that's a good bit of business for for Connacht. Um he's looked very impressive anytime I've seen him play. Um and then outside of that, we've had the the Bundyaki sideshow um in the press, uh, which has been, I suppose, somewhat um instigated by Connacht and how they've approached things and um the press on that. Um they've said he's fit and available, they're just not picking him and decided not to pick him for whatever reason. But I think the press have picked up on that and are printing any story that will take <laughs> take the uh, ink to go with it and where he might end up or what's going on on that. More importantly, I think, forgetting that side of it, I think the fact that there's still no real update on the coaching ticket for Connacht for next season is a bigger thing. It's a difficult time of the season to be going looking for head coaches. Like, it is. It's difficult. Mm. I... Like I think once once you've announced that friend is leaving, Mossy Lawler is leaving. Once you've announced they, friend is leaving, it's a bit like the Benji even is sharing, isn't it? <laughs> I haven't seen that. I haven't seen it either. But don't don't waste your time. <laughs> oh, laughs. He's like, oh, I, don't, I don't get to do that. It is. It's a, it's, a, it's about somebody not being friends with somebody else. I I understand the backstory, joke, but I've never seen it. <laughs> When I made jokes I, I, that you I, I never laughed. Like, I saw it, and, and you know what? I didn't like it. Oh, really? I know, I know it's been nominated for an Oscar. I didn't like it. There you go. There, can, I, where, I, I said it. Where can one watch it if they wanted to watch it? Uh, Dodgy Box. Oh, oh sorry, uh, sorry, sorry. Totally Legal Box. Yeah, no, totally, yeah. totally Legal Box. Uh, um, yeah, I, I just think with that, there's, with the coaching update, the they need to do something. I think they potentially they have something lined up because they're obviously making the signings for next season. And maybe that indicates Pete Wilkins is going to take a, a senior sort of role within that. But I think they I'd be surprised if he didn't, given that he was involved yeah. on the he was in up in November. Tour. Yeah, I'd be surprised if he wasn't. He was on the was oh, it was the summer tour, wasn't it? He was Yeah, he was he was, he was involved in this. Um, so hopefully we see that moving on then to the last one Munster who main lost main event Munster here we go <laughs> yeah, on, on to the main show uh, Munster lost 2016 away to Toulouse on Sunday got what I can only describe as absolutely battered in about the first 20 minutes and it looked like Munster were in for a long long day turned it seriously around after that really sort of um, but to lose under huge pressure, the scrum, Munster scrum stood up, shows how much John Ryan is going to be missed when he heads off down to New Zealand. Um, I thought the scrum was a big positive defensively. I thought they were excellent again. They're they're playing without a number of big players physically in the pack that they're they're struggling at times on the game line um, and winning collisions with. Um, again, John Klein 
is just absolutely outstanding. His his work rate and the impact that he has for Munster when he plays is so underrated. The game he had here, outstanding. And he's thinking he's been playing at this level for a while. And now mm. people are pretending, oh, look, he's played well. Now. Like He's been playing at this level for Munster at least, I would say, for the last year. He is a huge player for this club. Unbelievable. And he's, uh, yeah, he's playing very, very well. This game, I think, against two of the biggest second rows I think you'll play in Europe, um, did so well. Um, great game to watch. Like, I watched this game back for doing my own stuff. And I really enjoy the game to watch back again. Like, sometimes when you watch losses, they're not. But um, this was good. I think Munster, when you look at the first, I'd say, 15, 20 minutes, getting beaten up physically. But I think that Munster will look at the the, the the small few mistakes that were there rather than, because I think they would have known that Toulouse would come out hot, and they did. But I think there was a, a misread for the first penalty where Peter Armani didn't really, didn't, didn't quite realize that the rock had been created, however tenuously, by Jalanche. The only thing I can think of there is if there was an offside in the tackle. But again... I, I think it was that the rock know. had been created, right? Jalanche was technically in contact with the player over the on the ground on the floor and was technically on his feet. So when Peter Manny came in, he was coming in from the side of the rock rather than coming in from the front of the rock. It was there. That's what I think that Carol Dixon oh, okay. was trying to say. But okay. that was a misread. I mean, good, a good idea, but I mean, it was, it was a weird one. That's 3-0. Then you look at the uh, mall defense that led. There was a bit of a, mis, a miscommunication at the back between, I think it was Ryan and Scannell and Hodnett kind of got a little bit mixed up on the flanks. Marchant, who was outstanding, broke, uh, got into the game, uh, got into the 22 against Carberry. We got the stop on, but then they were really good at retaining the ball. And it was a bit of a missed tackle by Shane Daly that I think normally he makes on, I think, was it was it Delibes, whoever it was? Um, and they score in the corner. And from there, I think Munster kind of got a handle on the game afterwards. They were much, much better. And my God, um, what a try. Oh, that was just unbelievable. Look, that's the that's the sort of thing that has been threatening to happen for months now. And it's it's brilliant to see. And it's it's the ability to keep the ball off the ground for so long. And it, it's it's players just doing simple things. And you know, it's like um what you call it, Casey. Um, not so much the dummy kick. But it's the fact that when he gets up after doing the, the little um, somersault. somersault on the ground, it's that he steps back infield to draw the defender and then puts the ball around the defender's back over, out to Daly just to take him out of play. But it's, like th- it's these little things. That came on, I think it was a couple of phases after a kick transition. Munster have been really improving this season, the counterattack and baiting counterattacks, playing counter-transition rugby. And that was really, really good stuff in that they were able to retain the ball post-transition for two or three phases. Give it to Fekito. I thought it was very, very good when he came on and uh, then produced that moment. Um, but that's something that Munster have been building over the last, and like in particular over the last couple of games where the kick transition stuff has been very, very good and very sharp. And that's a continuation of that. And yeah, like, I mean, for me, that's the best Munster try I've seen in nearly 20 years when you consider yeah. the quality of the opposition and being away from home as well. Outstanding. Outstanding. Have you... I'm, I'm a, oh, sorry, go on. I was going to say, 
I haven't I haven't seen anyone play to the level of Tyburn like that. He has played so well, so consistently over such a long period of time. He was immense again. And I think we need to encourage Tyg to have become or to be involved in some sort of breathing program that we literally get as many offspring from him as we can for future generations of Irish rugby. A bit like Smiley Barrett, is it? He's <laughs> get him off, getting all blacks. Um, what was I about to say? Have you gone back and watched the Dragons game from the start of the season? I you know, actually you know, have. Because I was doing a run on the on the breakdown stuff in particular. My yeah. God. The the like to see what was being trialed, to see what was kind of being almost a little bit forced, I suppose, against the dragons. And I know I'm going back a while now. To see that come into fruition was class. Was absolutely class. And probably, and I know Munster lost this game. And I'm actually sick of kind of talking about losses to Toulouse over the last nine months or whatever it is like, but I know Munster lost this game at 20 minutes. If you would watch the game after that 20 minutes, let's say from 20 minutes on, you'd have been like, geez, Munster were class. You wouldn't have thought they were struggling so much in that first 20 with the way they kind of, I suppose, settled down um, and how they suddenly dealt with the, the, the physicality of Toulouse, like. And again, sorry to cut across, but like if you look at the the three losses in the last nine months, and again, it's something I said before, that first loss there back in last May, that was the end of five years of building. The last two losses are coming six, seven months into a, a, a new coaching team, a new way of playing. Radically new, new way of playing. But you know what I mean? Like it's if you, if you look at them and you say, well, they drew that one, so technically that's probably the best result. And, and that's fine like that on paper yeah I know they ultimately lost on penalties like but if you add in all the context around it of you have a brand new coaching staff for the team they're trying to build with signings they didn't sign a new way of playing a new way of D like it's phenomenal but I, I think I like and I tweeted it after the game and I really mean it there last year maybe two years ago like you'd kind of you'd back Munster to win games but when they lost certain games, you were kind of like, it hurts to love you so much. Do you know that kind of way? You're like, yeah. why, why would you do this to me again? Whereas they lost that game against Toulouse. I'm kind of like the rest of the season. Yeah, let's say, I, like for the sake of argument, going to the Sharks in South Africa for the next round. I'm just like, yeah, have it. Let's go. I back Munster fuck 100% now. And it's something so small. And actually, just just to touch on that as well, now that Munster have to go to the Sharks, but stuck with me during the week, I think Graham Roundtree would see that. Okay, now we have to go away to the Sharks last 16. It's his first year, of, and it's the first year of the whole, let's say, rebuild and transition. I don't know why, but I think a little bit of him will have been looking at that drawn. And obviously, you want to get a home game and everything. That's not lost on me. But he's now seen that. I'd say a little bit of him is just having a little smirk and saying, let's see what these boys are fucking made of now, having to go to South Africa for this. Like, we have to do it the hard way. Let's see who's going to front up in this. And, like, you couldn't ask for a better uh, litmus test kind of a thing. You couldn't ask for a better who's 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 going to pass this now here. Yeah, level check go, type of thing. Than having yeah. to go to the Sharks in, you know, knockout Europe. I think he'll be, like, don't get me wrong, he would have preferred to be in Tom Park, obviously, or 
whatever. But like, there's a little bit of him that's like, we'll see now what these boys are made of here. And like, you, you look yeah. at the, especially the young players standing up as well, like the likes of John Hodden, I thought was fucking savage. I thought he was brilliant. Um, very impressive, yeah. He usually is though, isn't that the thing? Yeah, no, he is. He's he's really like, yeah. really consistent. Yeah, like I I think with, with with Monster, like you were saying there, Jeff, I agree with you in that. Like, you know, six or seven months in, you know, um, for Monster to be playing like this and approaching a game so differently, uh, to be backing the physicality, backing the phase play, which still isn't perfect. I think that there's. There's some areas to be added to in the team, I think, overall. And a bit of luck with injuries even even helps that even helps that out a little bit. I just think the the quality of the performance and we're, and we're speaking relatively here. Like if this was three or four years in, we're talking about well, three or four years in, you're still losing to Toulouse. That's yeah, a problem. Yeah, that's the difference. But the new the new players who were there, the new guys starting, the new players who are being backed, um, the new way of playing. I was impressed overall because like I think I think Toulouse are a serious team. And I think that this performance isn't necessarily about Toulouse being below par or whatever else. I think it's about Munster showing a far advanced given the schedule level of performance. And I think that that's something to be, for me, I'm looking at and kind of going, hmm. I, hmm. The, the one thing that stood out to me from that, and you, you talked about the Dragons game, and I, I didn't go back and watch a specific game, but what I was reminded of was the conversations that we had between preseason and the early rounds about Munster's physicality and their clinical ability or inability to impact the breakdown and how much that has changed. You look at them where they struggled against guys like London Irish, they struggled against um, Dragon, Gloucester. Gloucester in the preseason. There was a couple of others that they, like, there was guys going in, they were missing their assignments, they were just, they were unable to impact the ruck, make a physical impact onto it, change anything in it. They were literally just, some of them were just, at points you could see them, they were literally just hanging onto a ruck. You know, there was no physical impact made to it. Here, they were nuking the breakdown when they needed to, and they were only going in in ones and twos with the ability to do that, to create the runners and the strike runners and pods outside of that. And that's been the most biggest change that I've seen. And I think in terms of injuries and the build of the pack, particularly, you add the likes of Snyman back into that. Um, maybe Tom Hearn. Apparently, by the way, is running at around 135 kgs right now. Ooh, I like it. Good God. <laughs> now, Jean Clay said a lot that of beef. A, he said that in an interview the other day, and I was just like, what? 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 I was like, I love that first of all, and I hope I hope I hope it is accurate. But man, like getting that size in, I think would help Munster a fair bit against teams like Toulouse. Because I think Munster have been playing for the last, I would say, year with what by elite standards would be an undersized pack. Yeah, I think that's fair, and I think they'll need that for the Sharks. I I think for for a game like the Sharks, they may need to go with something like Klein and maybe like Snyman if he's available and fit in the second row and you put Ty Byrne at six with maybe, Coombs in, you know, in the with back row. A dog ball coming off the bench, maybe, you know, we've got, yeah. you know, I did a few guys coming back in, but like you were saying there, Owen, about the breakdown, that comes with fitness, but it also comes with getting used to playing a lot of multi-phase possession, which 
Last season, Munster didn't really do. Munster this season have been trying to do it consistently. And when you start off like that, guys aren't used to hitting, you know, like the, 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 the workload of rocks. Because like I do a, a series where I look at literally what's the effectiveness of guys at the breakdown. And they just weren't hitting the numbers. Like they weren't getting to the amount of rocks that they should be. Where could I uh, find that breakdown, Tom? Do, do you know what? It's at patreon.com forward slash three red kings. It's oh, no on way. there. It's all on there. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. and how much could I get it for? Well, that's at the fairly heftily priced 10 euro a month here. But I do a sale on Etsy where it's like you can get a whole year of that stuff for like 65 euro, which is like really that's, good. That's phenomenal value. That's phenomenal. 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 And uh, yeah, but but basically, with the increase in fitness, the uh, being used to the new approach, um, you're able to hit more rocks and you're able to be more effective and you're able to sustain possession and everything looks better. Totally. Um, <clears throat> so the, the last way to lose put Munster um, away in the round of 16 to the Sharks. It's I don't think that's necessarily the worst draw in terms of the games. I do think it's the worst draw in terms of the travel. Logistically, um, it's a bit of a bit of a nightmare. Because I think they go away to the Sharks back up to Northern Hemisphere to play the Scarlets and then back, back and then down. back down to South Africa for two weeks. So, you know, they have a bit of uh, thinking to do on how they approach that. Other news then, obviously, is Ben Healy um, got called up to the Scotland squad. Seeing, um, seeing him in the Scottish gear, I was like, good for him. But I was just like, I don't like it. <laughs> it just looks weird. <laughs> It's uh, what you call it. It's like the thing from Fargo. You've ever seen the film? You know, <laughs> it's kind of weird looking. Yeah, it. it like, I just <laughs> I saw it as like, it's like yeah, fair play, like great. You know, I totally get the move, but see, actually seeing him in the Scottish gear, it's just like, no, don't like it. I saw one picture of him. Uh, it's obviously in a either a meeting or you know they're doing a PowerPoint on on whatever or. Uh, Play. Sorry, I can't. I couldn't think of that word. They're doing a, probably a PowerPoint on tactics, etc., whatever it may be, or video. And I've never seen a more concentrated face. Like I teach for a living, I've never seen a more concentrated <laughs> face in my life than Ben Healy's. Like ev- I'd say, everything he was, he was just kind of soaking up. Like, or is that because he's just going, "Shit, that guy's not coming on me." Shit, 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 like open up the Bear open, up, really open up the, the book in front of him. He's got an iPad on there. He's watching fucking anime or something. Yeah, Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> um, Munster have Benetton away on Saturday afternoon. Um, I suppose with Ben Healy in the Scotland squad. Um, Andy Farrell has done Munster a favour by not selecting Joey Carberry as he he now becomes available for this game, which would have if he. Uh, if he hadn't, it would have left Munster in a, a little bit of a pickle. I think Ben Healy could still be back in time, won't he? I think he. I think match. he will be available because I don't think that he's you know he's called out of the squad for this. So I'm not sure he would have trained an awful lot, but I think he should be available if Munster mm-hmm. wish to select him. Yeah. Um, Fanine Witchley is also back in training this week. I think. Um, Looking, look, looking a bit tanky by all accounts. 
Looking big, isn't he? Looking, <laughs> looking, big. looking big. <laughs> Which I love to see. How big can you get, champ? Keep us up to date with how big you can get. <laughs> well, if if he needs a hand, I can show him around loads of kebab shops and things. <laughs> you can't throw coffee at Fanine Witcherly, though. Oh God, no! That's a no-no. That it, well, that is a no-no. Yeah, I, he, I was, he hit me back. I was just, I was, he was like, "That's not how supposed to work." Have you seen him? You're buying his coffee, my man. <laughs> <laughs> I because I, I was watching Access Monster and they did a bit on Fanine Witcherly, and he was saying that because he had a, a shoulder injury that over the last number of months, he's been actually been out for a, a, a fairly long while. He's been working on lower body. So he's been kind of building his, his, his legs basically in his, his base. So I think that will be really good to see how we go. Cause I'm not sure he was playing. I, I didn't rate him very well when he was playing before the injury. And he was unlucky too, because it was like, that was right at the start when everything was so brand new for everybody. But I'm excited to see what he can bring if he's selected this weekend, just how he looks physically and how he's able to fit into what Munster are trying to do. He's going to be rare to go. Like, I'm just really excited to see how he goes. So for Saturday afternoon, who are we going for? Tom? Munster. Should have guessed that one. My beloved Munster. I'm going to back up my bullshit earlier. I'm going for Munster for the rest of the season. Get in there. Rest of um, Benetton have been in great form. At uh, how many? They, how many are missing? To Italy? How many are they missing to Italy though? That's that's the big question. I think are they missing uh, anybody to Italy though? That's the question. <laughs> well, I mean, give, given our view of Zebra, they're not going. I presume the Italian coach isn't going to pick too many of them. <laughs> I'd say. I'd say that's not even our view. I'd say given the Italians' fucking view of Zebra. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I think they're they're going to be hit quite hard for that. So yeah, I'm I'm going for Monster as well. Yay! Three from get Monster. Get in there, get in there, boy. I'm still well ahead in this thing as well. So you're going to have to start changing your. I knew you were going to come in with that. Oh, we, yeah, we have. There was. Uh, we'll have to go back and check last week's. Don't hit the player. You were you're only one point ahead, wasn't it? Yeah, but I got all six right there last week. Alex. <laughs> so. I don't know. As opposed to everyone else. You didn't, you didn't get all six, did you? I don't know what I got last week. I honestly yeah, do not have a clue. Did, 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 which, attention. Which, which, <laughs> like, is it, um, which? Tom, you're not even in the running. I'm not in the running, but it's like, what He's not even playing the same game as us. Back to Connacht. It's like, it's like, it's like oh, playing, shit, no, it's, like, it's like playing chess with a pigeon. I back that's, that, that's me in this. Yeah, yeah look at him there. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I got all the six right. Yeah. I got five. But Finley Beelham scored a hat trick and Connacht should have won that game. So technically, oh, well, I mean, technically, well, I mean, technically, if we're going on vibes, mm-hmm. I should be winning. Like, technically, <laughs> they should have won that game. Um, the only other news then to come out of, uh, I suppose, well, the only other news we're going to cover, I won't say, <laughs> is the uh, the women's game, the combined provinces 15 squad, which was announced this week. Um, rather strange announcement. I thought um, with only eight of the 42 uh, selected coming from Munster who are undefeated Interpro champions. The last two years. Last two years. It's not how I've been told things are supposed to work with regards to if you play well provincially, then 
of course, you should have most of the players in the national team. But I guess I guess it's different this time. For hey, whatever like, reason. If you flipped it, like if you said like the the Irish men's team were selecting a squad tomorrow and only eight from Leinster were in it, you'd be like You'd be just like, what the fuck? This makes no sense. And it's the exact same thing when you translate it across. Like, I mean, you have 10 from Ulster. I genuinely, hand on heart, can't remember the last time Ulster won an Interpro. And like, I'm not, I'm not, I don't mean to sound harsh or anything, or I don't mean to sound pro Munster or whatever. But like, what I'm saying is, I wonder how many of these players were selected before an Interpro was even played, before a ball was kicked, because there was players selected who didn't play an Interpro, etc., that's fine and weren't selected for Leinster again that's fine yeah you know it's not me making the decisions like but out of the 43 that were selected and you look at the way Ulster played compared to the way Munster played across all three games and you're telling me that more Ulster players were deserving of spots now I know obviously some players may have said no etc 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 but like ultimately when it boils down to brass tacks I don't understand how there's only eight from Munster I just full on I don't get it. And you can look at the AIL numbers as well and you can say there's only one from Wicklow, etc. If you want to go that route, I get that. But like, ultimately, when you if, you, if, if this combined provinces squad was based off the Interpros, like, it doesn't make sense. And if they weren't based off the Interpros, then why, 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 why are you why, having them? What's yeah. the point? Like, I, I'll, put it, I'll put it to you this way. Is this squad selected on the same way that the replacements for Alliance Tour are selected? As in proximity. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you this. I've <laughs> I've watched I've watched every single women's AIL match this year. Every single one of them. And then I've watched these Interpros. All of them. The Monster versus Leinster game that I saw was an incredibly high quality game between two really good teams. And I think that monster back row there of Wall, um, Maeve O'Galeary and uh, Nick Avard should, I mean, could arguably start for Ireland. Like, they're incredibly good. I just think there was a few who I think were a little bit unlucky to miss out based on what we saw. If this is a provincial select and we're just after a provincial series, I think that there probably should be more monster players involved, but for whatever reason, there isn't. And yeah, I, I, I'm a little bit confused by it, but we'll wait and see how it plays out. The jersey is strange. I don't really like it. I hate the jersey. I don't like it. Yeah. Um, I thought maybe I think, or I think like something along the lines kind of setup would be better. Like if you went, like, let's say, white top with navy shorts and red socks and green collar you know something yeah rather than kind of going down the old kind of harlequins route where it like does the, look like a harlequins top actually does yeah uh, i'm not i'm not I a think fan it's it's going to get even worse next year when they have to split it when they're going to enter two teams so how are they going to do it then in terms of the color scheme because based on the squad alignment, you can't split it half and half. So you can't have one team playing in white and white and blue and the the other team playing in green and red. Would you have one jersey that's seventy-five percent blue and one that has <laughs> yeah. the most of the jersey is like seventy-five percent blue and then there's like whatever, yeah. whatever. 
trim. There's red, red, white, and green trim. Red, white, and green trim. Or, or, or like, I, yeah. I would, I would like to know though. Like all, all jokes aside, I'd love to know what the conversations were like with the provincial coaches, etc., from the higher ups, or what was the consultation process, etc. Because, like, I mean, I know one player because I tweeted this, like, whatever, and I said I don't really understand how there's only eight from Munster, and I know a player who, but I don't know her. Like, I actually don't know her at all. What I should say is like a player kind of messaged me and said, how do you think the players feel? We're baffled. And I'm like, well, clearly there is a lack of clarity here somewhere. It's a bit like... If if a player is turning around and saying like, well, we don't get it either. You're like... What, you've not been been told? I wonder how many discussions were, you know, taking place, etc. Yeah, it's a weird one. And it's weird in that straight away I had people going... What the fuck? It's it, 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 I think that's what's kind of confusing people in that, you know, typically success is rewarded. Okay. And if Munster did well in the Interpros, you'd think that, well, that would mean, I'm not saying select 20 players from Munster, but more than eight. You know, I think, I think that's the thing that, that like, that, that, that caught people a little bit unawares with a little bit of a, a little bit of a, 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 a land, we'll say, when that, when that uh, squad was named. I think it just continues on what has happened with the uh, contracting, uh, what has been going on in the AIL, what is what is there. It's the women's game is you can't shape it in the same way as the men's game with four provinces. It's not working that way. I don't think there's the depth necessarily there, but I don't think they're rewarding form and players' ability either. And as you said, Jeff, there, I think there is a proximity bias towards this, that if you want to play professional rugby, if you want to get on that pathway, you better be living somewhere within a commutable distance to Dublin. And from that like, point of view... It's it's easier to get there from Belfast, we'll say, than what it is from Limerick and certainly from Cork. So it's it it kind of... There's something baked in there that isn't necessarily to do with on-field but is as but is important with regards to how things are set up at the moment. Yeah, I think look, it's it's the way the men's game has gone over the years. I think the women's game is being set up there. They're putting it into a population base that it'll suit it, um, but it's going to kill the game outside of it. Um, and look, that's the way they've decided. Doesn't sit well with me in particular. Um, but I have to leave that go. We'll round it up there, folks. Thank you very much for listening to our ramblings and for supporting the podcast. Please do rate and review the podcast on whatever platform you listen, as it really helps. And also be sure to share the podcast on social media. Hope you have a good week and the three of us will be back next week to chat again. (laughs) 